Good morning, Mike Broomhead. Good morning, Jamie West. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for being here. A lot to discuss on the show today. We're going to talk about the economy in a little while. The consumer confidence has dropped. It's a big part of economic spending is when people are confident, they spend more. When they're not confident, they pull back. We're going to talk about that. Uh, uh, recession possibilities. Is the job market cooling? That's all coming up. We're going to start locally. A story broke the other day, and I didn't talk about it at all until I looked deeper into it. As a matter of fact, I was at a meeting last night and was asked to speak in one of the questions was about this topic. If you haven't heard it, there is a freshman lawmaker in the state legislature named Liz Harris, Representative Liz Harris. Uh, she is the person that committed to not voting in favor of anything or voting on anything, Republican or Democrat, not voting on anything until we redid the 2020 20 or 22 election. Um, so there's already been a bone of contention within the chamber over some of this, there was a joint hearing that was being had was supposed to be about election integrity. As a matter of fact, the Speaker of the House, Ben Toma, is quoted as saying what should have been a joint hearing to examine common sense election reforms devolved into a disgraceful fringe theater. This is a Republican talking about a fellow Republican. I want to start here with this. Um, the bigger issue here, of course, is what we continue to hear about on my side of the aisle. And I want to be very clear. I am a Republican. I'm proud to be a Republican. I'm not leaving the party. I'm not going to leave and be an independent. There's a difference between a pilgrim that goes out and forges a new path and a Puritan that decides to stick around and try to fight it out. And I would rather stick around and try to fix it. And what I mean by fix it, I don't mean expel people I don't agree with. I mean fix it by having conversations with people and figuring out a solution. It is my belief, whether it, m people within my party agree with it or they don't, that we needed to move on from the 2020 election and focus on 2022. Part of us taking our eye off the ball was the reasons why we got trounced in statewide elections. And I'm using the phrase we because I'm a Republican. We got trounced in statewide races because we took our eye off the ball. We were too focused on election integrity and stolen elections that we were not talking to voters about the issues they felt most about. But – we also understand that both – I would say I understand – both sides of the political aisle going all the way back to 2016 and even before that, go back to the hanging chads in Florida in 2000. Most people have agreed that there are issues and questions about the way we run elections. There should always be an audit. There should always be a system of improving, especially something as important as the vote. So having a joint hearing on election integrity is not a bad thing. It's become a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to say we want to have common sense election laws that make our election systems better. That now has a connotation about it that somehow you are a fringe person because you dare say there may be some things that could improve our elections. We have to know where that blame comes from, and sometimes it's justified. So when you have the Speaker of the House in Ben Toma, when you have a Senator Wendy Rogers, when you have uh, uh, Senator Sonny Borelli, when you have other prominent Republicans coming out and saying, what's going on here? You have to start asking questions. And I think there's bigger issues that are coming in stuff like this. What happened was Representative Liz Harris called someone to testify that brought out these outrageous allegations that uh, elected officials, uh, Adrian Fontes, the current secretary of state, our governor, Governor Hobbs, the previous secretary of state and others, members of the county board of supervisors are all a part of this land scheme, money laundering, Sinaloa cartel bribery issue with no proof. I've been looking all morning, looked last night because I was asked about it. There's no evidence of any of this. 
And it was brought into a legislative hearing. And by members of the House and the Senate that were there are saying they were surprised by this. They had no idea this was coming. Uh, I want to read just a couple of quotes, and then I want you to hear from the governor in just a moment. Senate President Warren Peterson, in his own statement, said that Jacqueline Brezier's uh, report was a surprise to the whole committee. Harris and Toma had asked her for permission to hold a joint election meeting, and Senate leaders agree. Senate Majority Leader Sonny Borelli asked to review all materials in the presentation at the meeting. He said, this is what he said, I assure you. Had Borelli known about the report, he would not have allowed it to be included. That was Warren Peterson. This was definitely not the proper venue to make such allegations, nor to assess the credibility of such statements. My senators have not engaged in such questionable behavior, nor do I believe they will in the future. Borelli told the Arizona Republic he asked Liz Harris, Representative Harris, repeatedly for the report associated with this presentation, but she was not forthcoming. Um, Harris was allowed to put on the event anyway because of professional courtesy. The hearing was part of a series of presentations hosted by Republicans. So here's where um, I'm going to get into more of this in a moment. And I want you to hear the governor's response to this um, and what she had to say. These are all really critical issues, issues that we should be having full day legislative hearings on. And we're not. Instead, we're having these circus shows um, that is a culmination, really, of two plus years of defamation of me and other election officials and other leaders. I want to jump backwards for a moment. And this is where it frustrates me that people within my political party shoot themselves in the foot over and over and over again. The election integrity issue was a question that everybody could ask. It was justified to ask a question. When death threats started to go after our current governor when she was secretary of state, when people were threatening her safety and her life, when people went after Adrian Fontes, who lost the election in 2020, by the way, he lost the job of county recorder in that election cycle. He lost. Well, what happened? Um at the time, Katie Hobbs, the Secretary of State, I, I want to be respectful of her title, but at the time, the Secretary of State was not even on anybody's radar, including her party as a candidate for governor. Not even on the radar. And I mean that respectfully, but I don't even know if she was considering a run. But she was thrust into the spotlight by this one, you know, this fringe area of people questioning elections that were becoming more and more uh, threatening and violent. Uh, or threatening violence. I don't know that they ever were violent, but they were threatening violence. And she became a sympathetic hero in this movement of election integrity, saying that she defended the integrity of the vote and democracy in the country. She raised over a million dollars, I believe, in a week from people giving to her around the country, telling her she should run for governor. Adrian Fontes, who I've talked to Mr. Fontes a number of times. We've had some very candid conversations about things. He's never shied away from a conversation with anyone. He's pretty bold in the things. The guy's a Marine. He's not going to back down from anyone. Uh, him and I may disagree politically on a number of issues, which we have, but he's always been forthcoming and talking about issues on the air, whether I agree with him or not, and he states his case, so he never backs down. Adrian Fontes lost the race as county recorder in Maricopa County. He lost. He's now the secretary of state and running elections across the state of Arizona. From a Republican perspective, you caused this. Now, I'm not saying they're bad people. I, I, don't get me wrong. I'm talking from a policy position of being a staunch Republican all of my life. Governor Hobbs wasn't even on the radar. Now she's the governor. 
Adrian Fontes lost the county recorder's job. Now he's the secretary of state. And we've got the same behavior over and over and over again. We keep reloading their weapons for us that they're shooting at us with. You've got a representative in Liz Harris that calls a witness that's got no proof to any accusations. As a matter of fact, the accusations came from a divorce case. Uh, Harris, who made numerous baseless claims about the alleged election fraud during her campaign in the legislature, was given free reign for the all-day hearing uh, February 23rd in a joint. So, and, but this presentation... The shocking comments about a bribe scheme were made. Uh, the last speaker at the seven-hour live stream hearing, besides Governor Katie Hobbs, this person, Breger, I think is how it's pronounced, also named the Secretary of State Adrian Fontes, the mayor of Mesa, a Republican, and John Giles, as probable bribe recipients, along with unnamed members of the Mesa City Council, the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, two, judge, two dozen judges, and legislators. The story originated in a divorce-related court filing of Scottsdale lawyer John Thaler, who claimed his ex-wife and former mother-in-law are key players in a, in a plot to help cartels use bogus real estate deals to launder money and bribe politicians. A report submitted by the Senate after the presentation used some of the same verbiage Thaler had used in the describing the alleged scheme. There is no evidence of any of this. And I will tell you where it's going to end up going, where it's going to end up going from here in what's really scary about this is you're going to see lawsuits. You have publicly in a legislative hearing, you have publicly accused elected officials of taking bribes from the Sinaloa drug cartel. This isn't something you said at a meeting. This isn't something that you were with a group of people and you were rallying the base. And I'm not calling it right then. You are a legislator and you're bringing testimony into a legislative hearing that goes into the permanent record accusing people of major violations of the law with zero evidence. So the one side of this, as I would say to you, is it, 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 again, distracts from the real work of the legislature. It takes the eye off the ball of election integrity where we all could say there's some issues where we could fix things in our elections. That's completely gone. Forget it. We're not even talking about that anymore. That's the one end of the spectrum. The more important end of the spectrum is you're accusing people of major violations of the law in a legislative hearing. There are going to be lawsuits. And I guarantee you they're going to win. And uh, so that's where I stand. We'll talk more about this as the morning goes on. Uh, in a moment, we talk about consumer confidence dropping here in America and what that means for spending in the future. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. All eyes are on the economy. People are concerned what's going to happen. Experts predicting a recession in this year. Will it happen early in the year? <clears throat> will it happen later? How severe will it be if it does happen? These are all questions that taxpayers have. Um, they're saying that the federal government is saying that you can expect most people or a lot of people can expect a smaller than usual uh, refund. Some people that usually get a refund are actually having to pay a little bit. So there are people that are concerned. U.S. consumer confidence has declined in February were reflecting fears of a recession. Um, the decrease reflected large drops in confidence of households ages 35 to 54 and for households earning $35,000 per year or more. Um, 
So the reason this is an important thing to me anyway is when you watch consumer confidence, there is a couple of questions that are asked in polling. And uh, uh, five or six years ago, uh, maybe not quite that long, maybe four or five years ago, um, the question was asked of people, are you better off now than you were last year? And do you believe you'll be better off next year than you are this year? It's not often that people answer affirmatively to both. And in this time period, the majority of Americans at that time were saying yes to both. That's not what's happening now. And when people are contemplating what they're going to do and when families are budgeting and talking about how they're going to spend money, um, you're going to fix that car instead of replace it. You are not going to put a lot of money on credit cards, whether it's for Christmas or for it's for a vacation. People will not spend on big items or will not in what's in their family's budget a large amount of money when the fear is there that their job might not be secure or they may not have the money to pay their bills or if there's a big concern that in the near future we're going to see a dip in our economy. Now, again, perception is reality. We're talking about feelings here, confidence. It's not necessarily connected to data. But it's how people are feeling. Um, it's interesting how they do these polls and they ask people, how are you doing personally? And a lot of times people will say, and as, as far as finances go, we're doing okay. But I'm very concerned about my neighbor. That's consumer confidence that overall my family's okay, but I'm worried about the situation as a whole. That's consumer confidence. And when that wavers, People begin to second guess how and where they are going to spend money, what you normally would spend money on. And, you know, there's a couple of things in my mind, at least because of the way I spend money, that um, there are considerations of, of where you are financially. Um, are you going to – people out there in a financial position where they may buy a motorcycle – you know, I've always wanted to have a motorcycle. The weather's starting to get really nice again. Once we get through this cold patch and this rain we have, it's going to be the best time of year. Bike week is coming up at the end of March. And, uh, we, you know, I want to be a part of this, so I'm going to get a bike. Well, if you believe that a recession is going to hit, that the job market is softening, that you may lose your job, or you may not have the employment or the, uh, the um, income opportunities you do now, people are not going to make that kind of an extension on an item that isn't a necessity. You know, the concerns about what if something breaks, you know, the AC is getting old at the house. We're going to have to replace it. Uh, I need a roof. You know, we're going to have to get some roof work done. And so we can't spend on these other things in case this happens. A lot of that is consumer confidence. Um uh, the long, robust – this is a story from the Wall Street Journal, which I love going to. Obviously, for anything e economy, it's a great resource. Um Long, robust U.S. labor market shows signs of cooling. We have been living on an employee high right now. If you are someone that has a skill set, especially here in Arizona, I came from the construction world and we continue to focus on that just because that's the, the world I'm most familiar with. When you're talking about a couple of hundred thousand jobs will be necessary in the next couple of years, it is a seller's market when it comes to employment. I went through this as a business owner, and I took advantage of it as an employee. When you are good at what you do, and I was a good electrician. I was, I was not as good at the business side, but I was a good electrician. And I had, a, I had a good resume. I had gone to a lot of different schools. I was pretty well-rounded in what I could do, everything from residential work to commercial work to a bunch of industrial work as well. And there was a difference in all three in the trades. And so I knew when I went to my bosses, and I didn't bounce around. I stayed. I only worked for two different companies while I was here in Arizona. Um, 
and I've been here 28 years, so for the 10 or 11 years I was in the business world, I was pretty loyal. But I always was confident when I sat down with my bosses that, listen, I make you a lot of money. You can turn me loose with a stack of work orders on Monday and not worry about me until Friday, and I always bring you a stack of work orders that make you money. So I was able to ask for the newer vehicles and the tools I wanted and a raise when it was my review time. And I got them generally. I was given raises I didn't ask for because they knew at this time it was a market where I had a lot of options as an employee. If that softens and it looks like it is, it may not be here in Arizona so much. But if that job market softens and your boss says come back to the office, you aren't going to have much of an option with, no, I'm working from home or I'll go work somewhere else. That may be taken away from you. The idea that you're going to walk into the boss's office and say, hey, listen, I've just been offered this somewhere else. Will you match it down the drain as well? And it's something that people should be, you know, we've got to watch what's happening. Car debt is piling up more as Americans owe thousands of dollars more than their vehicles are worth. 60% of Americans, 60% of Americans living paycheck to paycheck. Inflation is part of their everyday lives, according to experts. These are, this is the issue where, um, we talk about what taxes are. And this is a real tax on families. When gas prices go up, it's like a tax. It is. It, it can be crippling. So is inflation because families live. Everybody lives. When they say live on a fixed income, everybody lives on a fixed income. You can maybe go out and get another job, but you make a certain amount of money every week, and you got to pay your bills with it. When the costs go up, families are concerned. So it's it's a time to pay very close attention, and I think people are. What we're going to do just after 9 o'clock, we're going to talk about the first mayor in Chicago in 40 years to lose re-election and why Mayor Lightfoot lost that election in the minds of experts. But coming up in a moment, it's Gatos and the Big Q poll question of the day. Stick around. The Gatos Big Q poll question brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Hey, good morning, Gatos. Oh, listen to you. You sound all excited today. It makes me happy. Well, anytime I get to talk to you, I'm excited. No, yesterday you're like, here's Gatos. What do you have? <laughs> well, let's get was this I, thing was over I, with. Was I, is that how I was yesterday? Was I a grumpy Gus yesterday? You you were a grumpy Gus. You, you know, you ran late in that segment, so you'd only have two minutes with me. I get it. It's yeah. okay. We got a lot you of know, time today. Feet. We've got plenty of time this morning. Well, I don't. I got to get going. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got a good cue. I, this is going to be a good discussion. I, right. I like this. All right, so there's a new Arizona bill. I don't know if you talked about it, and they want public schools to teach sixth through twelfth graders about guns. Okay, um, I think it's, I think it's a House bill. So I have not talked about that. You, okay, uh, do you want your kids' school to offer training on the proper handling of firearms? So um, we 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 talked about it yesterday, and we took some phone calls, and I would say like you know probably like three of five liked it. Um, the one thing that I I wonder is you know listen, don't you want to teach your own kids about guns? Yeah, is this an elective? Think, is it an elective or is this a required course? From what I understand, it's it would be a required course. Okay. See, but, I have but again it's. It's early. It's early on, and they could always change that. But from what I understand, yeah, I, I'm sure you could opt out of yeah. it. Like if a parent is, let's say, a parent doesn't like guns, a parent is very against firearms. You could probably opt out of it. Yeah, but I'm just wondering, 
don't parents want to teach their kids about guns themselves? Yeah. Why would they want the school to do it? Two things here. If it's an elective class, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Um, you know how I feel about the Second Amendment. I wouldn't have a problem with it if it was an elective. But I'm one of the people that rails on the air that we are distracting kids with too much in school. If they can't read and they can't perform math skills, let's focus our attention on that and get rid of some of these other things that are a distraction or take away from that class time, whether it's good or it's bad. Now, as much as I'm a supporter of the Second Amendment, if this is going to be a requirement and it's one more requirement on top of everything else, when the kids are not getting the basics, I don't know that this is a good idea. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm for the Second Amendment, too. Uh, You know, I I just don't know. And again, this isn't one of those this isn't one of those classes like, hey, we're going to give you a gun and it's going to be loaded. And, uh, (laughs) you know, every kid's going to have one and and we're going to we're going to aim at at the target and see how it goes. That's not what it's about. Right. But like some of our callers said, you know what? It could be good for, let's say, a kid whose parents don't own guns and don't know much about guns or how to handle one. And you have a kid that goes into a friend's house and there's a gun there. At least they know how to handle it, what not to do, what to do. Yeah. So that's that's, that's one of the pros. For yeah, it. I agree. And I think if it's a gun safety class and it's an elective class, I think it's a, not a bad idea at all, kind of like driver's ed. I think it's not a bad idea. But if it's a requirement and it's just going to add one more requirement in the school day that takes away from the basics, maybe not. And so I think that's a yeah. great question, though. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I, I'll, I'll keep looking at the bill and how it progresses. And I have no idea what Hobbs would do if she got yeah. it to her desk. Uh, I, I don't know yet. I don't know her well enough to, to know that she'd veto it. Or, or, But we'll keep our eye on it. Well, thanks, Gato. It was good talking to you. Hey, I'm always around, man. All I'm right. here for you. Thanks. That's Gato's The BQ Poll Question today brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, lost her election. First time in 40 years a mayor lost re-election. We're going to talk about what experts are saying is the reason. That's coming up in a moment.